You're about to enter the world of On the Cusp. The intense language used here requires that you put your brain in pause, place your watch next to the microwave, and experience a different level of mind diffusion. Now sit down, grab your coffee, buckle up, and enjoy what is about to happen and coming your way. What you are listening to is On the Cusp. Okay, welcome to On The Cusp one more time. Uh, I am here today with Sasha Der Avenician. I hope I didn't butcher that. Nice job. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sasha is the founder and the CEO of Harvest Dental Products. And he is also the leading man in branding for Harvest Dental. And we're going to spend some time with him today. Sasha, uh, welcome to the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure, Ramon. Thank you so much for having me. Look forward to our, to our uh, connection today. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, I think we want to start, first of all, probably everyone that listens to my podcast probably also listens to your podcast, but just in case they don't, let's begin with what is the name of your podcast? So, um, so the podcast, the name of the podcast is Entrepreneur Insight, and it's really rooted in a belief that that I have, and, and that belief is this, that our industry, the dental lab industry, is way over-educated on aesthetics and way under-educated on differentiation. And so I wanted to create a podcast for dental lab owners and leaders to to kind of put some real focus and onus on the just this thing of... of of value creation, entrepreneurship, leadership, brand strategy, and personal transformation. And so you can, um, you know, you can connect to that podcast on any one of your, you know, favorite podcast platforms. And, and to be honest, it's probably the funnest thing that I do every week. And it's, uh, you know, it's short, it's about, you know, 12 to 15 minutes. It's just me. So I'm not doing, it's not an interview format. And essentially what I do is I just, I share my scars. I share the things that I've learned uh, on my entrepreneurial journey, you know, starting, you know, in a two-car garage in 2004, you know, where I am today uh, as, a, as a global brand in 70 countries, made a lot of mistakes, learned a lot of things and, and done some things well. And so I share all that stuff in hopes that others can actualize th those lessons into a successful journey for themselves. So we got, we got right into it right away. Uh, you mentioned scars. Would you would you be able to share what the biggest scar was? Sure, I think. Um, Actually, no. Let me rephrase that. The mm -hmm. biggest learning experience for you, if there's one, because I know there's a lot a lot of learning experience as as a company is growing. But what would be a a main one that you said, man, I learned a lot from this, whether it's a success or or a a a, a learning experience. Yeah, well, I I can easily answer that question and. I would say that just knowing that I'm not the smartest person in the room, you know, as a founder, it's very easy to fall into a trap of thinking that, you know, you have all the answers because, you know, this is the way that you want it done. 
And so for me, the, the biggest lesson is essentially just knowing that I'm not the smartest person in the room and, and learning that I need to surround myself with people that are smarter than me. So that would probably be the biggest lesson. Um, probably the, the greatest decision I ever made would be clearly defining my, my brand values and principles and, you know, deploying those very clearly into the life of my business internally and the life of my business externally. One of the, uh, the things that you mentioned early was brand, the branding, the branding of Harvest, your, your personal branding. So how would, how do you maintain a strong brand reputation in, in the market today? Mm. You know, there's a, there's a lot of great companies out there. And a lot of times, sometimes these companies, in some cases, not every time, you know, they kind of forget a little bit about the, the, the brand, uh, the reputation, and they may, they may falter a little bit, especially because there's the, the, we're in a, such a fast paced market. Everything is changing today, probably mm -hmm. faster today than before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I look, every brand starts with a visionary, right? And you know, as people, we ourselves are brands, right? We, we actually exist to impressionate, right? On people. What do we impressionate? What, what do we, what is that impression? That impression is a human attribute. So essentially when you talk about brand and you, and you pull brand over a, an entity that is in and of itself dead. It has no soul. A corporation does not have a soul. The people in the corporation have souls. A visionary is one who steps up and says, this will be the soul of our brand. And then defining what, what are the attributes that are going to represent that brand and then finding human, you know, the, the human behavior to, to deploy, uh, those values. And You know, what's interesting is, you know, when, when students arrive at engineering school, they're given two things. They're given mm -hmm. Elmer's glue mm -hmm. and popsicle sticks. And the assignment is to build a bridge, right? A mm -hmm. bridge that'll hold weight. And so the students, they get to work, they build the foundation, the struts, the flats, right? They put this kind of whole thing together and what they discover pretty quickly is if you randomly build a bridge, it's not going to hold the weight. It won't be straight. It won't be strong. It won't hold up. Right. And, and so, but if you plan with intent, design with integrity and build with strategy, you'll win the contest. Correct. And the reason is because they understand that it's a promise, right? To hold and carry the weight of value to protect it, to connect it to the people who want it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when we talk about, we talk about brand, right. We have to understand that as humans, we connect to the values that are meaningful to us. Right. And everything that is meaningful to us, right. Is connected to us by a link, a portal, a way to to access and acquire the value that we seek. Right. Right. Okay. So, you know, for you and for me, right, we all seek the same three things. 
right? We seek security, right? It's in our DNA to trust. Yeah. We seek to be led, to be connected to the ideas that inspire us. Mm -hmm. And the third thing is we seek to grow. We seek to grow in our status and how we're defined, right? And so when we find our connection, our security, our leadership, right? The people who are leading us in that growth, right? We protect that source. Mm -hmm. And, And herein is essentially the essence of branding, right? And the essence of how values are used to to build brand equity because those that connect with a brand that is exhibiting those three things, they will hold that brand dear and near because that brand is more valuable than the commodity products that it makes. Correct. Does that make sense? I know it's a long-winded answer to your That makes a lot of sense because we're going through that right now. And I, I hate to go into this, but you said link. You got to create that link to connect. And in this case, with a customer, right? Correct. Or an employee. It's it's both. Yes. Or an employee. And a lot of times you can see that in the news today that some companies have lost that connection Mm. just through a single uh, action and they've lost a lot of money. But it's Mm -hmm. not so much the loss of the money because they can make the money back, but will they be able to reconnect again? And, And so- how hard do you think it is is going to be for a company that loses that connection or that truth mm. to reconnect with a customer if they can? Yeah. No, that's 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 a great question. I mean, I can answer that a complex question with one word. Uh-huh. Make a decision. Make a decision to build a bridge, which is essentially to build a brand, right? To carry, to define those values and and you you need that bridge to carry your values, your ideas, your identity, right? And communicate them through creative expression. Right. Your brand has nothing to do with your name or your logo, as, as you've just mentioned, right? Everybody's got a name and a logo. Unless, of course, it stands for that promise, a promise of value that, again, transcends the meaning beyond the products that you sell. Right. Essentially, to build a brand, right, to make that connection, one must make a bold promise of distinction Mm -hmm. and keep it. And that's what makes brands an only choice, right? Yep. Because few people in their peer group or our peer group or my peer group or your peer group will Mm -hmm. commit to make such a promise. And that is what makes you scarce. And- it is only the things that, you know, only the, the things that are valuable to us, brands, people, things, places, food, are only valuable to us because they're scarce. Yeah. Because they're rare. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deviate because, again, you just said something I think is very important, and, and that is the, the, the trust and the affinity from a customer to, to a company or to a brand. How much does money matter or how much does price matter within that customer? Do you think that a customer is willing to say, you know what, I'm going to suffer a little bit because I'm willing to work with you, mm-hmm. but because you, you, you message, you get, you've given them the right message. 
Right. Can you define su- can you define suffer? Like, what do you mean by I'm suffer? I'm going to pay more. Okay. To be able to work with you. I'm willing okay. to pay more. Okay. Because I trust you as a as a company, or or, or or let's let's bring it to you. I trust you, Sasha, because I I trust the brand of Harvest. Right. And that trust or that brand has been building through your employees, and you yep. mentioned at the beginning. The company has no soul, but the employees do, mm-hmm. and so it's a personal, a personal brand that you're leveraging. Mm. And so, do you think that the customers are willing to yeah. again suffer price to have business with you? Yeah. So I would. So the way that I view that, Ramon, is you know, I'll share an interesting statistic with you. 75% of the customers that we lose would actually deem themselves satisfied with our product, our price point, and our service. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that kind of statistic really begs the question, if they're so satisfied, why do they leave? Yes. Right? I would, why would they leave? Why, why would they leave? Well, the truth is, is that they're with us because we're good enough, right? The The value for price trade is fair, mm-hmm. right? So they're with us because we're good enough. Here's the insight. They leave us because we don't give them a reason to stay. And that reason must be more valuable than what you do. You know, To compete on price is one thing, but to cultivate a relationship that your customer cannot afford to lose mm-hmm is something totally different. And when you talk about somebody who's willing to pay more to connect, to be associated with mm-hmm. a particular brand, I would venture to say that it has very little to do with the product. Uh-huh. Because, you know, even for Harvest, I can never say to my customer that Harvest products are the best. Mm-hmm. I could never say that. That's, that's not integrous for me to say that because customer, uh, you know, the customer, only the customer can tell me that. And, and why? Because I believe that quality is not a function. It's a feeling. Mm-hmm. Every product on the market is a good product. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So someone, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it, they, they just are, I mean, they wouldn't be on the market if they didn't exactly. work. Mm-hmm. Right. So so essentially, yes, you know, we we work very, very hard to create, to design value propositions and and to look at market conventions and, you know, disrupt them and and you know, with value that the customer maybe, you know, hopefully recognizes. But at the end of the day, I think there's a misconception that brand equals more margin for the brand. In other words, by by having a brand, I have permission to charge more because the customer will pay for it. In a B2B marketplace like ours, that mm-hmm. really is very, very difficult to accomplish. And the reason is, is because let's just take a PM, a, a blank, mm-hmm. or Coney or PMMA. The fact that the customer is actually taking that blank and throwing it in the trash yeah. once it's been consumed, what's the... They've taken what they need from it, which is about 35% to 40% of the, or maybe let's say 60% of the material. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're taking it and they're physically throwing it in the trash. Well, you don't do that to a consumer product, mm-hmm. right? 
Yeah. Consumer product goes on the shelf. You look at it every day. You extract value from it every time you put it on, every time you see it, every time. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a, a decoration in your house. Yeah. But in a B2B market, right, it, it, it brand behaves differently. The value of a brand is extracted differently. Yes. So where Harvest seeks to, to own white space, mm -hmm. right, where Harvest seeks a blue ocean in our industry is to actually, is to actually define you know, what the other players or, or, or companies in the market do have, which mm -hmm. is price, because we all have the option to lower our price. Yes. But if Harvest could come down, let's say, to a cost leadership position tied to a brand promise based on who the customer knows us to be, mm -hmm. based on how Harvest communicates it, its why, based on the values that we stand for, i.e. quality is not a function, it's a feeling, i.e. Right. to conform is to go unnoticed. In order to be different, you cannot be the same, right? When when the customer understands that and Harvest is able to to bring a price point that is within, let's say, you know, within parity, right? Because right. we have costs. But I, you know, I believe then, then the brand owns something that the other doesn't. And that is a connection. And that is that, 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 that brand in particular is a brand that the customer knows, not just knows of. And that is, I believe why Harvest Dental has continued to grow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. Oh, no, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. So, so I guess to, to, you know, to, to say this, that, you know, pricing, I think has very little to do with you know, in our industry in, in particular, you know, I believe a brand could probably work within 9% mm -hmm. of a, of a brand of another, another product that does what it's supposed Compete. to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, I think that brands have to be very, very careful to say, well, because I have a brand, I can charge more, you know, their a product might be more expensive, but the materials are also different. The Correct. sourcing structure of that mm -hmm. product, the, the, you know, the value chain is very different. And so, you know, what a brand would do in lowering that price is actually reinvest some of that margin back into the customer experience, Correct. Mm -hmm. right? Which we define as customer delight. We're able to give a, a customer a product that is, that based on what the customer's willingness to pay was, if you're able to give them a better product for what they're willing to pay mm -hmm. at a better price, I believe you, you, you earn customer delight. And I think that's how a brand wins in the dental laboratory industry. That's interesting. When we, and, and I don't know if we can do this, can we bring that to the lab level? How sure. does, because every laboratory in our market is creating restorations for a yep. dentist. But how do they differentiate when they're all creating the same zirconia crown? And I, and I, and I don't mean it in a, in a bad way. Yep. There, there, there are zirconias within zirconias in the market. There is a lot, I, I believe that there's a lot of, characterization that goes from from one lab to another they're just using newer tools today but mm -hmm. when the dentist sees the product they say well i'm going to go in some cases with a cheaper guy but how mm -hmm. does a lab differentiate itself from another to be able to one charge more a little bit more like you said mm -hmm. maybe nine ten percent fifteen percent and get the business uh great question um it's innovation. And, you know, what's, what's, and, and I preface that by saying 
well, what do you mean, Sasha? What do you mean innovation? How do I innovate an Emacs crown? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do I emanate, you know, how do I emanate a zirconia crown? And by innovation, what I am referring to is behavioral innovation. Mm-hmm. It's innovating at the customer touch point level. And so the way that, you know, that I view the market and the way that I view differentiation is through a methodology called disruption, which we define at Harvest internally as refreshing by design. Mm-hmm. And what Refreshing by design is essentially is it's a framework that helps you define the catalysts for valuable emotional brand disruption. When we talk about brand, we're essentially anchoring our understanding of brand to one simple single idea, emotional decisions make no room for alternatives. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about creating value, we're not talking about giving the customer what they've paid for. Because if you are giving the customer what they paid for, then it better be aesthetic. It better be a good fit. It better be a good price. And you better give me good service. And so when as companies, when we feel like we are doing enough to keep a customer, what we're essentially doing is what the customer expects us to do, which yeah. makes our value proposition void. Yeah, They don't recognize. They don't recognize it. And what our customers are looking for, because remember, we deal with people, not with businesses. We don't do business with business. Mm-hmm. We do business with people. Yes. And so the people, how we kind of cultivate this relational equity, if you will, which is another word for brand equity, Mm -hmm. by answering the three questions that you and I and everybody else are are looking for answers to. Mm -hmm. And that is, do you see me? Are you for me? And can I trust you? Can I trust that behind closed doors, you would do what's right on my behalf? Mm-hmm. And with that, and, and to get there, what we have to essentially do is almost reframe the way that we view success. And I think most companies view success as, you know, we need to do what's great for our business and make sure that it's good enough for our customer. Mm-hmm. What the brand who connects emotionally to their customer does is they they flip that and they they what what their narrative is we need to do what's best for our customer and what's best for our customer will surely be good enough for our business so look out for your customer before you look out for yourself absolutely take care of your customer and they'll take care of you absolutely so it's the, the law of reciprocity mm-hmm. and customers that you know the companies that thrive the brands that thrive they They don't worry about staying alive. They give that responsibility to their customers and their employees. And and it's a responsibility that our customers will will gladly take on. Can you expand on that part? Absolutely. He said they don't worry. Companies, these companies do not worry about staying alive. They let their customers keep them alive. 
Yes, because it's 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 they well they what they do is they put the onus on the in other words the customer will defend and protect the brand. Why? Because they they there's a value that they extract from that brand that they don't get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And again, it goes it goes back to why a customer would pay more for yeah. a particular brand. The customer the the money is money is the most unemotional asset we own. Mm-hmm. It means nothing. Yep. So when a customer is extracting emotional value from a brand or is connected to a brand that believes the same things that the customer believes, the customer doesn't worry about spending a little bit more money because it doesn't mean any. The money is not the value proposition. But in a commodity business, where the brand has not taken the proactive steps and ha- ha- the brand hasn't taken the 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 time to do deep emotional work to uncover what they mm-hmm. believe and then to spend money on communicating that and not the zirconia blank they're selling yeah which is the insecurity which is the dip that most yes. companies cannot get through why because number 1 if they're publicly traded, the customer is essentially the shareholder. Correct. Who's invisible. So everybody's mm-hmm. everybody's trying to protect their job. Yeah. So it's all about, you know, I gotta hit numbers, right? That's that's the that's the aim. And so, yeah. you know, it's very difficult to build a brand in in that, you know, in that regard, right? And so what's interesting is Simon Sinek. So there's a there's a gentleman by the name of James Carse, and James Carse wrote a book called uh, "Finite and Infinite Games." Mm-hmm. Okay, and essentially what he says is there are only two games that we can play: finite games and infinite games. Infinite games yes. Okay, mm-hmm. and a finite game is played for the purpose of winning, mm-hmm. but an infinite game is played for the purpose of staying in the game. Correct. A finite game has an ending. Someone wins, someone loses, but the infinite game has no finish line and no winner, right? A finite game like football has fixed rules, but the infinite game like knowledge, right, has Continues. no rules. And, you know, what What we what we see in Simon Sinek's book, which most people probably know, which is called mm-hmm. The Infinite Game, right? It's based yes. on Carson's concept. Mm-hmm. He uses this Viet the Vietnam War as as an illustration, right? Yeah. And and I spoke about this actually uh, at at the NEDL when I when I was the keynote there. And, and essentially, what it what it says is, if you look at, you know, America, right? We won the mass majority of the battles that we fought. Correct. Right. But then why then? How do you win almost every battle, but then lose the war? Mm-hmm. Right. That's an we were play, question. We were playing two different games. We were playing two different games. Exactly, right? They were playing to stay in the game and we were playing to win. And so when we when we look around it around us and in our life, right, what we see is actually that we are in the middle of infinite games. Mm-hmm. We're in the middle of infinite games. Any anything that's a finite game is actually ancillary. Yeah. But life is an infinite game. For example, you can't, you know, there's no such thing as winning in a friendship. Correct. You can grow the depth of a friendship over time, but you mm-hmm. can't win in a friendship. And the same can go for our marriage, right? You can't be first in a marriage. Actually, yeah, I got news for you there. 
<laughs> my wife always wins. <laughs> right? Yes, so, you're right. It, 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 it makes a lot of sense. Right? And so, yes. and the same is true then for every human relationship we have, including the one we have with our customer. Mm-hmm. And so I think what we have to ask ourselves is what game are we playing and are we playing the game of business to win? Because if so, the finite player will make very different strategic you know, choices. They will always create value for themselves first than for Correct. the customer. So that they can win as soon as possible. Maybe. Exactly. Right? Because so They have because... a goal in mind and it's not infinite. Exactly. It makes a lot of sense. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Sasha, we we just been through like 30 minutes of, of talking. <laughs> and so I know well, that you're busy. Wow, it was fast. Yeah, that was really quick. So would you mind maybe in, in the near future taking another 20, 30 minutes to, to reconnect again? Of course. Anytime, man. Yes, anytime because you, I don't want to take away your time. You know, there's so many things going on, right? In your infinite game. <laughs> but uh, again, I think I think it it it's worth repeating that if people want to listen to your podcast and they should, I listen to it. I will I will put the link to your podcast on awesome. my on my show notes so they can go there and look for them. If they have any interest in connecting with you, talking to you, Sasha, how can they get in touch with you? And I can also link that uh, in our in our show notes. Absolutely. Well, um, you know, I mean, social media is is probably a real easy one. Uh, you know, people can follow me at, on Instagram, Sasha Derav, uh, or Facebook or LinkedIn. Um, I'm pretty active, you know, on those platforms. And then, uh, you know, they can send me an email, Sasha at HarvestNL.com. And uh, yeah, I would love, I mean, look. I Harvest website also. Harvest website, absolutely. Yep, HarvestNL.com. Okay. Yeah, and so, you can actually you can get the you can get the podcast there. The landing page is, is harvestdental.com slash podcast. And then you can actually go there and, and you can connect to me on any of the other platforms from there too. Perfect. But uh we will have them. We will link them on on the show notes cool. so they can get in touch with you if listen to the show. Thanks, my friend. Okay. Lot Sasha, of fun. Thank you for the time. I really appreciate this. Thank Good you. Good to see you. Take have care. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye bye.